Chapter Eight of Princess Mary's Gift Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pam Castile. Princess Mary's Gift Book. Chapter Eight. A Model Soldier by Charles Garvis. Kitty came into the studio, and dropping on to a stool, said, as she drew the pins from her hat, "'Dad, I've had an adventure.' She made the assertion with seeming gravity, but her father glanced at her dancing eyes with a mixture of interest and a suspicion of being spoofed, for past experiences of his light-hearted, mischief-loving daughter have taught him to be wary, so he said nothing, but continued to chalk in the rough sketch on the easel. "'Behold in me a heroine of romance,' said Kitty, striking an attitude and regarding the toes of her dainty boots with her head on one side, and her father, as he glanced at her again, noted vaguely her pose and expression for future use, for Kitty served frequently as a model, and her pretty face and svelte figure had appeared in numerous magazines as the heroine of all sorts of stories. "'Father, I have saved a fellow-creature's life,' she went on told in the language of popular fiction it would run thus a young girl of pleasing appearance was seen going down one of our leading thoroughfares she was of meek and modest demeanour i thought you said the adventure happened to you kitty said mr thorold the road was crowded with the carriages and motor-cars of the wealthy and noble continued kitty disregarding the mild sarcasm the young girl lost in maiden meditation fancy-free was startled suddenly by a cry of anguished terror raising her downcast eyes she saw a pretty young thing running across the road right in front of an approaching motor-car from the occupant of which a lady of mature age and buxom form the cry had arisen without a thought of her own fair young life the maiden rushed forward seized the young thing in her arms and carried it in safety to the pavement the magnificent two-thousand-horsepower motor-car pulled up beside her and the richly dressed lady with a gasp of relief and admiration expressed her appreciation of the young girl's heroism demanded her name and address and handing her a card desired the rescuer to call the heroine murmuring something inaudible blushed sweetly and making her way through the small but loudly cheering crowd which had collected modestly disappeared all very well grumbled mr thorold but you'll be brought home on a stretcher some day kit you're too venturesome by far what became of the child oh it wasn't a child it was a collie pup i thought you said fellow-creature remarked her father plaintively all dogs are my fellow-creatures declared kitty simply i am a credulous as well as a sinfully indulgent parent said mr thorold stepping back to view his sketch but i don't believe a word of your story documentary evidence was instantly forthcoming retorted kitty extending a tiny paw with a card inserted delicately between her fingers her father took it read aloud lady harborough two o nine belgrave square and then emitted a low whistle my word kitty you've gone and done it he said if this is the lady harborough and nature with all her audacity cannot have made two of them 
"'You've run up against a celebrity of the deepest dye.' "'Oh,' said Kitty, "'never heard of her. "'What's she celebrated for?' "'For good works, which means, in most cases, "'a disposition and a capacity for interfering "'in the affairs of other people. "'And her ladyship is one of the biggest and most incorrigible "'interferers in this crank of a world of ours. "'She is immensely rich. "'She is also powerful, as the novelists say.' She is a tyrant to her relations, a terror to her friends, and a well-meaning, charitable bugbear to the world in general. Oh, said Kitty, somewhat dismayed, but how is it you are so intimately acquainted with the history and characteristics of this lady of lofty rank and goodly oof? My dear Kitty, oof is not nearly such a good word as wealth. Maybe, but it's easier to pronounce, retorted Kitty. "'Oh, I don't know,' said Mr. Thorold, as if he were weary of the subject. "'Heard someone at the club talking about her, seen her name in the papers. "'Take my advice, and don't call. "'She'll enlist you in one of her gangs of workers, "'hustle you into a hospital as a nurse, "'make you into a district visitor, "'or turn you a lecturer on vegetarianism or some other fad.' "'Oh, no, she won't,' said Kitty, with sublime confidence. "'Not that I should object to being a nurse.' "'That is, if I hadn't already to look after an aged and infirm parent. "'Yes, much as I value your advice, Dad, I think I'll call. "'I'll go to-morrow, and if I come back, say, in a Salvation Army kit, "'and banging a tambourine, and, mind you, I might do worse. "'I have a whole-hearted admiration for the S.A., and the uniform is distinctly fetching. "'You can indulge in the exquisite pleasure of exclaiming, "'I told you so.' "'What are you on this morning, Dad?' she asked, going to him, putting her arm round his neck, and giving him a little hug. "'Sketch for an illustration for the Long Acre magazine,' he said with a kind of resignation. "'For your most gifted artist has to do pot-boilers nowadays, and generally he does them well.' "'The girl's all right, anyhow,' said Kitty. "'Where's the man?' "'Oh, I'm going to stick him in directly,' said Mr. Thorold. "'He's to be a soldier, and I've got a young fellow coming as a model presently. "'Ran against him in a rather extraordinary way. "'He called on me yesterday with an introduction from Bloxham, "'said he had never sat as a model before, but that he was hard up and would do his best. "'Fine young fellow, and a nice-taking sort of chap altogether.' "'Burglar in disguise, coming to inspect the premises, no doubt,' surmised Kitty cheerfully. "'Well, he's welcome to anything he takes a fancy to,' remarked Mr. Thorold. "'Oh, well,' she said, "'I'm off to consult Selinar Ann as to whether it's to be bread-and-butter pudding or a baked roly-poly. Expect me back, or what remains of me, in an hour.' Carefully rumpling her father's already disordered hair, she screwed up his patient face between her hands, kissed him, and ran out, singing as she went. In less than an hour she re-entered the studio, still singing, but the song snapped off suddenly, and she stood just within the doorway, staring with wide-open eyes at a young soldier in khaki, who stood on the model's dais, one arm in a sling, the other extended with a sword in the hand, in the kind of attitude beloved by the populace, and forming the picture which bears inevitably the legend, Charge. The young man turned his eyes, he dared not move anything else, and at sight of the stricken maiden his tanned face grew the color of a healthy beetroot. "'Getting on famously, Kit,' remarked Mr. Thorold in a preoccupied manner. "'Arm a little higher, if you please, Captain. 
Pardon, didn't catch your name. Bernard, said the model, in a small voice, quite inconsistent with his fine and manly proportions. Ah, thank you. Could you, uh, put on something of a scowl? You're wounded, you know, and you're leading a forlorn hope, or something of the sort. The young man's good-looking face assumed as much of a scowl as it was capable of doing, and Mr. Thorold dashed it on the paper. Capital! Now you can rest a minute. I've got to go and get some more ochre. Perhaps you'd like a drink? Thank you, I should, confessed the young man with a slight huskiness. All right, I'll bring it, said Mr. Thorold, and as he was leaving the room he said over his shoulder, My daughter, Captain Bernard. Kitty closed the door carefully, then, seating herself on the divan, she rested her chin in her hand, and, regarding the young man severely, she demanded sternly, "'Perhaps you'll be kind enough to inform me of the—the the meaning of this?' He had seated himself on the edge of the dais, and was wiping his face, as if he were just going through a dangerous action with the enemy pressing on all sides. "'I beg your pardon,' he faltered with meekness in his voice, mean and I. "'I asked you why you are masquerading here,' she said uncompromisingly. "'Well, come to that, I'm not masquerading. This is my own kit. I'm a soldier, as you know. This is a genuine wound, not a fake, and I'm really hard up. Had a run of bad luck lately. No harm in earning an honest shilling. But why come to my father, this particular studio, to earn it?' demanded Kitty, cutting short his feeble attempts at plausible explanation. "'Oh, well,' he replied desperately, you see, when I met you at the Thompsons the other night and asked you if I might have the honour of calling on you, you said that your father was a very busy man, and that you yourself had no time for receiving visitors. Well, demanded Kitty as icily as before. Well, he resumed, looking down and then up at her, as if he could not keep his eyes from her face, stern and almost ferocious as it was. Well, I asked the Thompsons who your father was, and when they told me, I thought—I thought—well, don't you know, it seemed to me that he might want a model. War pictures are all the go now, aren't they? And so—he broke down, made a little gesture with his unwounded arm, and blurted out, "'Of course you know why I've come. I wanted to see you again. I told you so the other night. Like my cheek, of course, but I don't know how it is. I feel as if I've got to see you, to know you. Look here, Miss Kitty. I beg your pardon. All the Thompsons call you that. I hope you won't mind my saying that I've fallen in love with you. Excuse me, I mind it very much, Kitty informed him with distressing promptitude. But her eyes wavered, and the color came into her face, and made it, in the unfortunate young man's opinion, more maddeningly fascinating than ever. Oh, well, I'm sorry, he said, but without much penitence in his tone but the truth should always be told, shouldn't it? And it is the truth. "'Is it?' queried Kitty. "'You've seen me only once before, and then only for an hour or two. Two hours and three quarters,' he said, as if he were a stickler for accuracy. "'And I fell in love with you after the first quarter of an hour. That being the case, as it certainly is, what was I to do? I shall have to go back to the regiment as soon as this old arm of mine is right,' and it's getting right quickly, and I felt that I couldn't go without at any rate telling you what—what what was the matter with me. "'You speak as if—as if love were a disease,' said Kitty, with an attempt at mockery, which was an abject failure. "'So it is,' he declared, "'and I've got it bad, very bad indeed. 
I'll ask you to believe me, Miss Kitty, I mean Miss Thorold, that I haven't had you out of my mind for one moment since we parted. It's a pity you haven't something better to think of, said Kitty. There I disagree with you, observed the young man stoutly. I couldn't have anything better to think of, and I don't want to. I shall think of you for the rest of my natural life. One moment, Miss Kitty, before you refuse me. I ought to tell you that I'm a poor young captain in a marching regiment with no prospects. The allurement is irresistible, began Kitty with admirable gravity. I'm delighted to hear it, he said. So you accept me? The politeness of a soldier should have compelled you to hear me out. I was going to add that it would be irresistible if I were in love with you, but— Don't go on, I beg of you, he implored. I'm not such a fat-headed idiot as to suppose that you are in love with me. What I wanted to ask you was to give me a show. You see, I've arranged with Mr. Thoreau to stand, not only for this picture, but for an oil-painting, which, I suppose, don't know much about art— will take some time. You have, well, of all the— Quite so, he said meekly. You see, it will give me a chance of trying to explain to you that, if you refuse me, it will be, oh, worse than a conical bullet in a particularly vital spot. All I ask is that you will look in now and again, and, and give me an opportunity of, of— Bothering me to death? finished Kitty for him. No, bothering you into an engagement— which is sometimes a serious affair, but not always fatal, he said frankly. Come, Miss Kitty, don't be hard on me. It's not much to ask. Oh, isn't it? interjected Kitty with fine irony. Thank you, Captain Bernard. If you were in love with me, absurd idea, of course, but I'm just putting the case. I'd come and sit with you and give you any amount of chances. Kitty heard her father's returning footsteps and she stood up and looked from side to side, and then at this meekly audacious young man, with a mixture of astonishment and bewilderment, and something else I cannot define, in her really wonderful eyes. "'Well, of all the cool,' she said again, but he cut her short. "'That's all right,' he said breathlessly. "'Thank you ever so much. Your father's coming. I'm to be here at eleven o'clock every morning.' "'And you think,' said Kitty as hurriedly, "'that—' By simply sitting here and regarding you in that absurd attitude, I shall fall in—oh, no, not at all. Fortune will have pity on me and give me an opportunity for seeing you for a minute or two alone. Besides, perhaps—I only say perhaps, mind—you might be induced to lunch at an ABC shop, he jerked out in a rapid whisper, as the innocent parent returned with his yellow ochre. Kitty went up to her room flung herself into a chair in her favorite attitude, with her chin in her hands, and stared at nothing—no, not nothing, but at the handsome face and manly form of a wounded soldier. Of course she would not go near the studio while he was there. Consequently, the next morning, at half-past eleven, she entered with refreshment on a tray, and with downcast eyes and a blush, informed her father that she had left his soda and milk in the dining-room because a change of scene and air would be good for him. She was still rosy with shame when the model sprang from the dais, caught her hand, and declared fervently that she was an angel. "'No, I am a sly and deceitful, not to say forward girl,' said Kitty. "'But I've only made an opportunity to tell you that I'm not coming into the studio again while you're here.' 
that's all right, he responded cheerfully. Come in, just about this time, and I've found a jolly little ABC shop where we can get some lunch today. Second turning to the right in the corner, I should like you to be able to tell me quite quietly why you find it necessary to refuse me. I think that's only fair to you. And I think, said Kitty emphatically, that you possess the concentrated cheek. I am sorry there is no stronger word of the whole British army, and I decline your invitation. She kept him waiting at the ABC shop for a good quarter of an hour. In the afternoon Kitty presented herself at 209 Belgrave Square, and was shown into what a house agent would call the magnificent and spacious salon. Lady Harborough was seated in a capacious chair, knitting for dear life. On a small table beside her was an orderly disorder of blue books, reports of charitable societies, vegetarian tracts, and the debris of her morning's correspondence. She received Kitty with more than graciousness, for her ladyship, notwithstanding her crankiness, was the owner of that organ, the possession of which we are led to believe atones for all minor faults, not to say crimes, a good heart. Besides, she had been immensely taken with Kitty, and admired genuinely the pluck and readiness which the girl had displayed in the rescue of the puppy. Of course, Lady Harborough was a prominent member of the SPCA. She gave Kitty some tea, patted her hand several times, and proceeded to put her through a kindly but searching catechism, and before tea was over had obtained sufficient information respecting Kitty's life to convince her that the girl was a fitting object of her ladyship's benevolence. It is true that, every now and then, Kitty caught a glimpse of the somewhat masterful spirit which her ladyship displayed in her favourite occupation of ordering the lives of all who came in contact with her. But Kitty was not so stupid as to fail to recognise the presence of the aforesaid good heart, or not to credit the old lady with the amiable intention which smiled behind the mask of tyranny. "'She's not at all a bad sort,' Kitty informed her father on her return home. "'Oh, I dare say she's fond of interfering and all that, but she can't interfere with me. I'm not her relation. I was going to say, thank goodness, but I really do like her dad.' She's coming to see some of your pictures some day. Oh, my great aunt, groaned Mr. Thorold, who, like a true artist, had a loathing for the necessary but sometimes maddening art patron. The drawing for the Long Acre magazine being duly finished, Mr. Thorold began on the more important battle-piece. I think I'm going to make a hit with this kitty, he said to his daughter one morning, as he was preparing for the arrival of his admirably punctual and singularly patient model. You see, I've got a splendid young chap to stand for it. He's the real thing, instead of a coster dressed up in an officer's uniform. And he's a pleasant chap, too, he continued meditatively. A modest, well-mannered young fellow. No swank or swagger. In fact, a gentleman. By the way, Kitty, you might remember that little fact, and not be quite so sharp and sharp with him when he speaks to you. Oh, it won't hurt him, retorted Kitty, turning her back quickly. From what I have seen of him, I should say that Captain Bernard would not be easily snubbed. And you try pretty hard, remarked her father. For instance, yesterday there was no occasion for you to tell him to shut up when he observed that it was a fine day. All I said was that a model was much more effective when he kept his mouth closed, said Kitty. That strikes me as being pretty much the same thing, said her father. He looked quite crushed. 
do him good, murmured Kitty. Besides, he can talk the hind leg off an army mule when he likes. How do you know? asked her parent with mild surprise. Oh, I'm only drawing inferences from from his general appearance, said Kitty, looking a trifle confused. Going out to lunch again today? demanded her father, repiningly, as, clad in outdoor things, she passed him in the passage a couple of hours later. Sorry, dear, got a pressing engagement. Besides, you never eat anything. There, did it miss its nurse? Never mind. I'll be in all the evening. She scrunched up his face, gave him what she called her screw-kiss, and departed to the ABC shop. By this time, it must be confessed, the fortress besieged by Captain Barnard, with such ingenuous strategy, but manly courage, had surrendered, and to-day the wounded soldier had brought a pretty but inexpensive ring with him. "'It's all I can afford, dearest,' he said, as he slipped it on the finger. "'It's a perfect duck,' she returned, touching the ring with her lips. "'A wicked and maddening thing to do, for you can't kiss a girl in an ABC shop, however much in love with her you may be.' and to-morrow I'll tell your father. What—what do you think he'll say, darling? I know what he'll say, but I couldn't repeat it, because I've been properly brought up, replied Kitty. But he won't refuse his consent, won't chuck me out, cried her lover, I gasped. No, because, strange as it may seem, he's really fond of me. Oh, I don't deserve it, for he's the dearest dad that ever had a hussy and a minx for a daughter. No, he won't throw you out, at any rate, until the picture's finished. "'And perhaps you'll be tired of me. "'I mean, I shall be tired of you. "'We shall be tired of each other before that time.' "'I'll risk that,' he said confidently, "'pressing her hand under the table. "'That afternoon Kitty, in a state of perfect bliss, "'paid one of her frequent visits to Lady Harborough, "'with whom she had now become great friends. "'In fact, the old lady had grown quite fond of the girl, "'and the extent of this affection was proved that afternoon to Kitty,' by an extraordinary mischance. The footman had shown her into a small anteroom, which Lady Harborough called her study. The adjoining apartment was divided from that in which Kitty was waiting by a pair of folding doors, and one of these being partly open, Kitty heard the rustling of dresses, followed by Lady Harborough's clear and very distinct voice, saying, "'Must you go, dear? I'm so sorry, because I wanted you to see her. She's quite a nice girl. In fact, a really sweet little soul.' "'Oh, yes, of course I've plans for her,' she continued, as if in response to a remark by the other lady. "'I'm afraid she has not many opportunities. The father is a struggling artist, and they don't move in society, of course. I'm thinking of—in fact, I've made up my mind to marry her to Archibald.' "'Lucky Archibald,' observed the other lady. "'Yes, I think he will be,' assented Lady Harborough, with a complacency she always exhibited when disposing of the fate of those belonging to her.' He is a good boy, a little wild, perhaps, but really no harm in him, and it's time he was married. I'm a little anxious about him, because he's so, so impetuous, like all the Harrows. Her ladyship's dearest friend could not have accused her of impetuosity, and Kitty could almost see the other lady smile. He is the sort of boy who might fall in love with a barmaid or a ballet girl and marry her. Then this young lady doesn't come within the category of undesirables— "'Oh, dear, no,' said Lady Harborough. "'She's quite a lady, and will suit Archibald very nicely. "'I am very pleased with him. "'He has been doing so well lately. "'Quite distinguished himself. "'You've heard, of course. "'It was in the papers. "'I am going to look after him.' "'Kitty had been listening with burning face and twitching lips. 
She had been so astonished as to be incapable of carrying out her desire to spring to the door and declare her presence, and escape from the position of an eavesdropper. But she recovered sufficiently to rise and confront Lady Harborough as, on having said farewell to her visitor, she entered the room. "'Why, my dear,' said her ladyship, almost embarrassed, "'I didn't know that you were here. Have you been waiting long?' "'Long enough to hear what you said,' replied Kitty bluntly, her face pale now, her eyes flashing. "'I couldn't help listening, I'm sorry. Yet it's just as well, because, Lady Harborough, I don't think you have any right to—to to dispose of me in the way you intended doing. I don't know who Archibald is.' "'Archibald is my nephew,' said Lady Harborough stiffly. And when Lady Harborough was stiff, the common or kitchen poker compared with her was a soft and flexible article. My nephew and heir, he is a very good and brave young man. He may be a saint, for all I care, said Kitty, but I don't want to marry him, and I won't. In fact, I'm—she was going to say engaged, but she was really too angry to confide in Lady Harborough— I'm resolved not to do so. I am afraid you will think me very ungrateful, and that, well, that this is the end of our friendship. I think you are stating the situation very accurately, said Lady Harborough, whose face was exceeding red. I'm sorry, said Kitty, rather wistfully and sadly, her resentment waning, for the old lady had been very kind to her, and Kitty saw that even this absurd intention of hers sprang from a benevolent desire to benefit her protégé. "'I want to thank you for all your goodness to me, and—good-bye, Lady Harborough.' She held out her hand, but Lady Harborough appeared not to see it, and Kitty got outside the stately and desirable mansion, and hastened home to enjoy a good cry. When she made her appearance in the studio next morning, she found her father seated on his stool in an attitude of profound dismay. His long figure bowed, his rumpled hair clutched in his hands, his painting-brush between his teeth. On the dais stood the wounded soldier, his face flushed, an expression of keen discomfort all over him. "'Here, look here, Kitty,' wailed her distracted parent. "'Just listen to what this young man's been telling me.' He says that you and he have got engaged. Heavens! Quite true, father, said Kitty calmly, but with a blush. Oh, my goodness! And he tells me that he's poor and has nothing to live on, excepting his pay and a small allowance. That's true also, I believe, father, said Kitty. I'm sorry, but it can't be helped. You'll have to paint me as the mendicant's bride. "'Don't joke about it, you foolish abandoned girl,' groaned Mr. Thorold. "'But you don't want me to cry about it, Dad, dear,' said Kitty, going to him, taking the brush from between his teeth, and putting her arm round his neck. "'Haven't you got anything to say for yourself?' she asked, addressing the discomfited young man. "'Not a word,' he returned. "'Said all I've got to say, and look at the effect of it.' "'Yes,' she retorted. "'You've broken the heart of an affectionate and devoted parent.' "'You're a wicked young man. "'Oh, Dad, dear, do get up and go on with your work. "'You know as well as I do that you're not going to make us unhappy. "'Say, bless you, my children, like a good father, "'and let's all go up and mingle our tears over a lunch at the Floriana.' "'Ripping idea!' cried the infatuated lover, "'who would have said the same if Kitty had proposed that they should lunch in the moon.' 
"'Oh, well,' said Mr. Thorold, a trifle more cheerfully and with a shrug of resignation. "'But I shall not go unavenged. Young man, you do not know what lies before you. She will make a slave of you, as she has made a slave of me. This girl is a tyrant of the most outrageous kind. You will not possess a soul of your own. You will—' bravo dad interrupted kitty but it will be quite time enough to give me away when we get to the church there's your hat on the bust there and now we'll go on the bust ourselves said the young man joyously i say how jolly it all is would you mind my kissing her sir he was in the middle of the somewhat lengthy act when the door opened and selinor ann announced in awe-stricken tones lady arborough and her ladyship swept in with his arm still round Kitty, her lover stared at the portly dame as if she were a gorgon. Kitty, with a stifled exclamation of astonishment, freed herself with difficulty from the young man's grasp, and with blushing face hastened to greet the august visitor whom Mr. Thorold was regarding with the air of patient resignation. But Lady Harborough put out one hand to keep Kitty back, and fixing her lover with a stony stare, exclaimed sepulchrally, "'Archibald!' There was a profound silence for a moment, then Kitty, staring in her turn at her lover, echoed the objectionable word, for it was a name she detested. "'Archibald! His name's Harry!' "'His name is Archibald,' said Lady Harborough sternly. "'I ought to know, for he is my nephew.' "'Your nephew?' gasped Kitty. The young man, having recovered from a fright which no shrapnel built by Croup could have caused him, now came forward with hand extended. "'How are you, aunt?' "'Yes, it's my aunt right enough. Didn't I tell you? Must have forgotten to mention it. Ought to be ashamed of myself, for Aunt Philippa's been awfully good to me. Aunt, this young lady is—'I know quite well enough who she is, Archibald,' broke in Lady Harborough severely. "'What I want to know is, what does this mean?' "'Oh, I see,' he stammered. "'Oh, well, it means—of course, you saw when you came in—it means that Kitty here, Miss Thorold—allow me to introduce you to my aunt—Mr. Thorold, my aunt, Lady Harborough, Aunt Philippa, Mr. Thorold, he is the father of this young lady, Kitty here, who has done me the very great honour of promising to marry me. Sounds impossible, but it's true.' Lady Harborough stalked to the nearest chair, with stately dignity seated herself on it, very much as a judge might take his place on the dreadful bench. "'Girl,' she said in her deepest tones, "'why have you tricked, deceived me?' Then, suddenly, as if influenced by a peculiar expression in Kitty's eyes, an expression which conveyed a kind of warning, her ladyship faltered, opened her lips once or twice, then said, in quite a different tone, indeed almost meekly this this is quite a surprise you will forgive me if i am a little upset i think i ought to have been prepared however as you young people have taken the matter into your own hands just what we have done haven't we kitty exclaimed her lover as if he were proclaiming the supernal wisdom of his relative there is no more to be said concluded lady harborough rather lamely at least I should like to have a word or two with Miss—Miss Miss Thorold, I mean Kitty. Outside, Eliza, cried Harry, otherwise Archibald, joyously, as catching the bewildered Mr. Thorold by the arm, he walked, almost danced him out. Kitty did not wait for any question. 
"'You see,' she said, explaining the significance of her warning look, "'it was just as well not to tell these foolish men everything. "'It might happen that if Harry—I mean Archibald—knew that you had meant to insist upon his marrying me, well, men get huffy so quickly, don't they? "'He might refuse to do so now.' "'Well, he might, but I don't think it's very likely, my dear,' said Lady Harborough, and she patted the little hand that lay on her knee. "'But I think you are right. We will not say anything about yesterday. You're a clever little thing,' she added, kissing her. "'Can we come in?' demanded Harry a few minutes later. "'Aunt, we're all going up to the Floriani to get some lunch. Come with us like a good soul. The Flo— Floriani? What is it?' asked her ladyship fearsomely it's a restaurant in soho where you get a thorough blow-out i mean a continental lunch for one and nine her nephew informed her come on aunt philippa lady harborough shuddered i should be delighted archibald dear but but i think you'd better all go round to belgrave square with me it it would be safer it was after lunch when the two young and silly lovers were in the very ante-room where kitty had overheard lady harborough's fell designs that kitty holding his head back from her for a moment asked but why does she call you archibald because it's my name or one of em he replied harry archibald stephen fitzwilliam oh stop stop i shall feel as if i were marrying half a dozen men but you haven't told me why she calls you archibald and has thus caused all this confusion oh because a lawyer chap who bolted with a lot of her money was called henry and moreover a bishop we've got in the family and a chap my aunt's very proud of is called archibald she'll have to drop that name harry said kitty firmly i can't bear it do you think she will i'm perfectly certain she will if you've made up your mind she shall he returned with an air of profound conviction for it's plain to me you've captured the aunt as well as the nephew. Yes, it's a fair cop. She's a dear, murmured Kitty, very close to his ear. End of chapter 8 Recording by Pam Castile